What is happening, party people, and welcome to another edition of Talking During Movies, the podcast where we take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation. And today, we have the amazing, the often copied, never duplicated, <laughs> the woman who puts more miles on her truck and should be sponsored by Jiffy Lube, Michelin, and Ford. We've got her here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the very powerful vocalist and my new friend. Olivia Harms, how are you, girl? I am good. How are you? Another damn paradise. It's Halloween. The kids are getting ready to, you know, just get candy. And I'm still looking for that house that gives away drugs. I haven't found it in all these years. It's <laughs> driving me crazy. I know. Dang it. In all these years, we still haven't found it. But you're on the lookout. I'm on the lookout. I'll, I'll find them. I'll take, I'll just take them all from them so that kids don't get them. Smart man, smart man. You're you're really thinking of others. <laughs> I'm trying to help all the people out. Uh, so, you know, we we've chatted for for quite a bit here. You were actually down in Austin. You did a great performance at Twelve Fox Brewery. We got to chat some more, and uh, you sent over. You know, we decided on uh, you know how to lose a guy in ten days. What is it about this movie that that strikes a chord with you? You know, I've just always loved this movie. Uh, it's funny, and there's like the classic Kate Hudson, and everyone's a sucker for Matthew McConaughey, right? You know, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just, I grew up with it. You know, I think I was, oh, this is one of my first rom coms that I ever got to watch because I'm a 95 edition. And so by the time this movie was out, I was probably 10 or 11 or so and got to tune in and I just remember sitting there with my mom and we had a little girls night and watched it and I just thought it was the funniest thing you know she's still independent woman but she still gets to find love and you know like the whole thing is just a great story so it's always been one of my favorites I love it well let's go ahead and hit play here we'll get the old rocket ship rolling <laughs> folks if you're watching along at home we've got the stars coming through it's a paramount feature it's a great film so Olivia, as, as the, the movie's getting kicked off and all that jazz, let's let's learn a little bit about you. Um, how did you get into this, you know, walk in the park music business that is, you know, it's it's littered with landmines and compromise and all sorts of chaos. So how did you get into it and what what keeps you in it? Yeah, so I was actually born into it, you could say. Uh, my mom has been a musician, still is a wonderful musician. She's in the Western Music Hall of Fame, had a couple record deals in Nashville, all that fun stuff. Um, and so when she was pregnant with me, I was fully cooked and she had a big gig 
at the Portland Speedway uh, that she was not wanting to miss. And I was past my due date, just hanging out. And uh, this gig that she had was with Lori Morgan and Clint Black and Ricky Skaggs, all these great people from the 90s. And uh, she's like, Doc, I don't want to miss this gig. The kids cooked. Like, let's let's get her out. And so on the 13th of June, my mom went in to have me and had labor induced. She was put in room 13. And then at 13, 13, 113, uh, I was born. So I am a 13 baby. And then two days later, I went out on stage with my mom and she did the gig. And there you have it. <laughs> wow. Your mom's a worker. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, she is a champion. That's dedication to family and passion. No kidding. Yeah, no, she's amazing. And so I just grew up kind of traveling with her and playing music. And I just have loved it ever since. You know, it's always what I wanted to do. Even when I was really young, five, six years old, I started singing with her and I'd get up on stage and sing, I want to be a cowboy sweetheart. Or I wrote my own little song called Coyote Yodel and you know, just like silly little things like that, but she's always so supportive. And I just got the bug for traveling, meeting new people and uh, playing music for folks. Now what's, you know, you, you said you, you wrote in a song and you know, at a young age, what, and now obviously you write your own songs. Uh, what's that process like for you to write a song? It's, yeah, it's ever changing. You know, there's a, I get that question a lot. How do you write a song? What's your process? And uh, the fun thing is, is it's like, there's no rules. You can do it however you like. And my first songs that I wrote were just really simple. They were about things that were going on in my life. Uh, I didn't know what co-writing was. So I just sat up in my bedroom and made up songs or, uh, you know, when I first started learning to play guitar, then I fool around on the guitar and write songs. But some of the very first stuff I wrote was going out to feed my horse and, you know, singing, I'm going to go feed the horse now. I got to go get a bucket of grain and like silly stuff like that. And then you just write a song and carry on. Uh, and then as I got more and more into it, I realized you kind of have to have it within the three minutes. Uh, there's supposed to be a hook and a catchy chorus that when it comes back around each time, people can sort of uh, catch on and sing along with. And then all the rules of songwriting. Then I started going to Nashville and learned how to co-write a little better. And it just kind of carries on from there. And hopefully each time I do it, I get a little better. That's the goal anyway. <laughs> what now are, when you're, you're writing a song and you're feeling it, you've got an emotional connection to it. What is it? Do you, do you have a feeling that you know the audience is going to, is go, going to embrace it? Or is it? Or there's some songs you wrote it and you're like, I can't believe these people love this song the way they do. I think I've had both, you know, okay. uh, one of the very first real songs, I suppose, that I wrote was one about my hometown. Uh, you know, I'm from this little town called Canby, Oregon. And I just thought, well, if I'm going to be a musician one day, I got to have a song where people can uh, learn a little bit about me, know where I'm from. I come from you know, this farm that's been in our family for 150 years, since 1872, I was in 4-H, FFA, all the stuff. So I wrote this little song called Can Be, where you can be making dreams come true. You know, like this is silly, but I wrote it and I started playing it for people. And I was shocked at how many people like loved the song. And I just, I was like, you guys aren't from Can Be. Why do you like it? <laughs> but no, they were like, that's oh, just so cool that you wrote a song about your hometown. And uh, so that was one where I was kind of shocked. And then uh, one that I had a good feeling about from the beginning was my latest single that's out on Texas Radio. It's called Hey There Cowboy. 
Okay. It's currently at number 30, which is super exciting. But ever since I wrote it, you know, I, I sent it to my mom and I have a few good girlfriends. I always send like new songs to, and I'm excited about them. And um, they were like, oh my gosh, we'd love this. And, you know, it's just kind of catchy, easy to sing along with. And every time I play it live, people love it. And so it was one of those where you're like, you don't want to jinx things, but you kind of give yourself a pat on the back. Like, yeah, this is good. I came up with a good one and I think people are going to love it. And it's, it's held true. So I'm happy when things like that happen. Nice. I, I have, I often struggle with this concept cause I don't get it. And maybe you can help me out here. If I go see a comedian, I want to hear all their new jokes. In fact, I have no right. desire to hear their old jokes because I know the punchline and I know how it goes. But if I go see a musician, I want to hear their old stuff because it, it takes me back. What is it that you think it is about music that has this? I mean, it's like everyone's born with a desire to eat, sleep, and then some sort of connection to music, it seems like. Right. Yeah, I think it's because music is really the closest thing we have to time travel, you know, when you think about it and uh, that and smells or like good food. But I think music for me anyway, every time I'll hear a song from high school, you know, I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I remember when I was at homecoming my junior year or, uh, you know, when Shania Twain comes on. Uh, come on over. I remember being like eight years old and riding around in my dad's pickup, just blaring the song as, as loud as I could, the radio blasting. And, you know, you just, you hear the song and it takes you back to a certain moment that for some reason is ingrained in your memory. And then it's just attached to the song. And so I think that's sort of why some people like to hear the old stuff is because it, it brings them uh, some sort of, you know, reminiscing feeling. And they can think back on the good old days or I'll have songs or like, oh, man, yeah, wow, it's crazy how sad or heartbroken I was when I kept listening to that song on repeat. And wow, look at me now. I'm not I'm not in that place anymore. I've moved on and I've matured or it's just kind of one of those things where you can think back and reflect. And I think music has a huge connection to that. At least it does for me. No, it does for me. It's funny. There are there are songs that I know when I listen to. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a cold beer. Like this yeah. song is just telling me, it's like, it's time to go have a cold beer because this is the song. Or I'll listen to other songs and it'll transport me back to college. Or sometimes I'll listen to music just to change the way I'm thinking about a problem. Right. Absolutely. 100%. I feel the same way. I mean, it's, and it's such a comfort too, it, you know, like mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. Music has always been, such a comfort for me and I think that's another one of the reasons that I wanted to be a songwriter and a musician is because when things have been bad there's always the songs that I go to that either lift me up and like kind of bring my happiness back or I can listen to them and be like I'm allowed to be bummed out because this person wrote a song and they're singing a song that's also bummed out and I'll just sit here and I'll be in my sad little mood and I'll listen to the song <laughs> for a while and then you know then I'll turn it off and I'll get back on with life but it's it's just like a comfort to know that someone else has had that same feeling and they wrote about it and they made a song and they probably moved on and their life was fine and I just want to be that comfort for other people too like write a song that maybe amps them up to go out to the bar and have a good Friday, Saturday night or one that, you know, say, well, things didn't work out. Like uh, maybe you expected, you can be sad about it, but someone else has gone through the same situation and you're not alone. 
No, I like that. And it, it, it really leads into the next question, which is, do you, when you're writing songs, how much of, how much of the fluidity is created or inhibited because of the responsibility you carry in music that you literally are shifting people's emotions and taking them to places that they might or might not want to go. Right. I just always, you know, I mean, that means a lot to me to think that I would have the power to, you know, take people places and just like have a journey through music, but because, you know, musicians and songwriters do have that sort of power that comes with songwriting. I always just try to make sure that I am writing from a very authentic place. I always want my songs to be real and believable. And I want people to like hear it and know that it's, it's authentic. It's not a put on, it's not some story I'm making up. Like it's, it's emotion that comes from a real place. Cause I think that's the least you can do for listeners. If they're going to give you your time um, and listen to something that you wrote is make sure that you're being honest with them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, oddly enough, right. And we chatted about this uh, at 12 Fox, but you took the road less traveled. You know, if you're watching How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, you've got this young woman who's a journalist and she wants to do these real heartbreaking, thought provoking, insightful articles. But instead, it's like how to get a better butt in five days. And, you know, what are the right. best foods to eat before you make out, you know, and all these crazy things. And she's like, I want to be better you've had opportunities to, for lack of a better term, sell out to get a right. label. And yet you've chose to, to do you is, is that instilled from your mom, your grandparents, a combination of both people around you? What gave you that strength to look at that and be like, no, I'm always going to be me. You know, I think, uh, definitely my mom, my mom has really been supportive of, music I mean ever since I was really little and in fact she was like hey if you want to do something else please do it's hard <laughs> but uh no I mean I'm stubborn and she knew that that's what I want to do so she supported it and my whole family has um but they've always said you do whatever you feel is right for you you know we, we aren't going to push you into a corner and say that you need to be one genre if you want to be contemporary country or like modern country do it do it like if that's what's make you makes you happy go do that if you want to be Americana folk country or traditional or Texas red dirt whatever you want to be as long as it's true to you go do that and so that's always been such a a good support and like I think helped me build a really good foundation and I did go through kind of a you know, I just like a growing process in Nashville. When I first uh, went there to record, I was 16 and I recorded songs like the Camby about my hometown. And, oh, you know, I wrote a song about wanting to find a country boy in a jacked up truck. And, you know, that, that was my, that was kind of Taylor Swift was queen for me. And that was kind of the era that I was in. And that's the direction I thought I wanted to go with my music. And so then I put that out. And then after college, I went to Nashville and I started writing full time. And I did start on more of the contemporary side of just writing what you hear on the radio. And then I just started feeling like that wasn't, you know, it wasn't fulfilling me. And so I felt my music evolving into more like this traditional country honky-tonk music that's got room for steel guitar and twin fiddles and so that's what I was really excited about writing and creating and 
about that time, you know, I had been pursuing a lot of different options and uh, I, I was writing full time and uh, playing a lot in Nashville. still trying to tour around the rest of the U.S. or go back to the Northwest where I'm from and play music there. And I did have an offer uh, to get signed as just kind of go a different direction though. Uh, they wanted to push me more to be a Carrie Underwood or a Kelsey Ballerini. And not that there is anything wrong with that. I give those women so much credit. That's just not the direction that I felt comfortable going with. You know, that wasn't a good representation of Olivia Harms. I didn't want to look back when I was 40 or 50 years old and say, oh man, you know, that was a cool experience. Uh, but I'm not totally proud of the music that I created. You know, they wanted me to take off my hat and lose the boots and kind of play more, um, you know, pop country and that just wasn't mm -hmm. me. And so I walked away from it. And once in a while I think, Oh, is that the right decision? But honestly, I like 95% of the time, I'm really just very content that I have stayed true to myself. I play music that I feel uh, I'll be proud of later. I'm like, I'm very proud of the message that I put out in my music. And so you know, life is full of choices, but I think as long as you're staying true to yourself and who you feel like you are, you can't really go wrong. No, that's great advice. It's great insight. I, um, I want, you know, it's, it's interesting because it is difficult to find a good female honky tonk singer. Right. That's, that's usually been, that's been the, the, you know, the area for men. Right. I mean, it just, it has, and breaking that boundary, uh, has, how has that, how has, how has that challenge been for you breaking into that mostly? I mean, obviously country music has, has become fairly diverse, but this niche, this genre in country still seems fairly male dominated. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, and you know, the music industry or country music industry as a whole, uh, it's, it's not, Right. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get my feelings hurt about it, but it is kind of a good old boys club. It's been that way for a while. You have your powerhouses like Reba and, um, you know, Carrie Underwood or Dolly Parton that are all like really iconic women that have broke through Shania Twain. And they're, they're great. They're super iconic. And they're like on everybody's playlist. And then they say in Nashville or even here on the Texas Red Dirt country station still that it's just hard to break women. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. But music is primarily male dominated. One of the theories I heard once upon a time was uh, women want to listen to men singing to them and pretend that they are the girl in the country song, essentially. And men like to listen to men singing and be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going to get that pretty little thing up in my truck, you know, so that doesn't leave as much room for women unless we're singing sad heartbreak songs where the man leaves us and then we're sad. But I try to stay away from that kind of songwriting because I really like to empower women and say, you know, just because someone leaves you doesn't mean you need to just sit there with your life in shambles. Uh, it's probably because it wasn't the right fit. God has better plans and you're probably better off without him if he's going to run off on you. Like no one deserves that. And so I've stayed away from the poor, poor, pitiful me songwriting. And then, <laughs> then I'm a woman <laughs> to boot. So that it has made it hard, but I do feel like um, the people that have given my music a listen uh, and they like what I'm doing. They've been so supportive. I'm really lucky to just have the most wonderful fans and people supporting me. And I do think that there's a place for women uh, in honky tonk Texas music. You know, I, I don't see why there hasn't been. Uh, 
a, a big one before, but like a, a female Brooks and Dunn or something like that. I don't see why it can't happen. I think it's, it's possible. And I think there should be one. So uh, I'm just, I'm just out here hustling and trying to make it happen. <laughs> and you are, I mean, you are, you are putting miles on, you know, uh, from what I've been told from my friends who, as soon as they found out, you know, I, I knew who you were that are up in Oregon. They're like, one, uh, I've known her for years, man. She's amazing. I, I don't understand how, how you're able to talk to her. I'm like, well, oh gosh, you, you, you reach so. out. It's pretty easy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you ask, it helps to, you know, have a venue like this, obviously, um, or a platform like this. But I also find it fascinating, you know, it, as a person who travels as much as you do, goes from place to place, you know, is without being too personal here, I hope, uh, do you live a life of how to lose a guy in 10 days? Because you, oh, at some point there's got to be, yeah. I mean, the guy's got to be strong enough to be like, she's going to be gone for a month. It's going to be text right. messages and a couple of FaceTimes, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, no, it, it does make it hard. What I chose to do as a woman is hard. I think what I chose to do just to have any sort of uh, relationship in life is hard. For some reason, it seems like it's more okay for guys to travel by themselves, tow a travel trailer from Oregon to Texas by themselves and go gigging, you know, place to place by themselves, towing in all the sound gear, loading it up, loading it out. It just seems like that's more socially acceptable for guys to do. And it's not that I'm, I'm not a, like out here to prove that women can do everything. I I'm all for a good gentleman and chivalry and all that. I think it's great. But at the end of the day, I don't have someone that's willing to, you know, do all that for me. And it's, it's me that's chasing the career. So I better be able to buck up and do the dirty work of load in, load out, travel by myself, be smart, be tough, but it does make me a lot more vulnerable. I have to be very aware of my surroundings, mm -hmm. try to make sure that I'm uh, paying attention, staying in safe places. You know, if it's, if I'm playing late at a club, make sure I have someone walk me out. There's just a lot more things I think I need to think about than just a guy who might be in my position. Sure. And then on top of it, you know, you have like, okay, so uh, a lot of times when I have gone on dates or things and a lot of people seem to think of me as like a shiny object and that's that's so flattering I'm, I'm very flattered they think oh what a fun life she gets to travel around and play music and and see new places and absolutely I love what I do and I I do get to do those things but at the same time uh, I'm always working on the weekends uh, when people have time off, that's when I have my time on. So the guys that say, oh, this would be so fun. They usually quickly figure out that I am not uh, there to just hang out with them as much as they would prefer. Because I usually have things planned or my life is, you know, <laughs> scheduled two to three or more months out in the future. And so they'll say, oh, do you want to come out this Saturday? And I'm like, no, man, like I got to work. <laughs> And so I think they quickly kind of just say, uh, you know, we admire what you're doing, but we just kind of want someone who's around more. Uh, I've had a few people say, you chose something really hard and we like what you do, but we don't want to, you know, we don't want to be part of it. It's just too hard for us to deal with because then you have the security of me going places by myself. And of course, they're kind guys. They're going to worry and say, are you okay? Or, uh, you know, a lot of times it'll be an issue if someone else will come up and say hi to me. And of course they're just wanting to compliment my music or say hello, but 
some guys, if they're not really secure, they, they don't like that. And that's, that's okay. It just makes it a little bit harder uh, maybe to find the relationship aspect to go along with my career. But I have hope. All my romantic comedies keep me, <laughs> keep me hopeful <laughs> that one day my cowboy is going to come along and he'll be like, yeah, girl, you go do it. And I'll just be rooting for you and, and waiting for you to come back. So we'll see. I like it. I like it. You know, I mean, I, first of all, I like the optimism and, uh, you know, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and the challenges, you know, I used to, uh, travel a lot for, for work and it's hard, you know, when you're gone five days, uh, you know, of every week and you're, you're flying back in on Friday at noon, you're flying out on Sunday night at nine to get those two days. It's, it's difficult. It's, you know, I, I took one, I, there was one year, it was about a year, maybe eight months, nine months. I was on the road straight. Yeah. Like I was, I was in a, I was in a Ford F two fifty pulling a trailer, uh, promoting an international tattoo competition, and wow. I had the cool. Harley that we were giving away that was going to be up in Whitefish, Montana. We were giving it away. I had that with me, and we were, you know, I was all over the Northwest in California. I mean, everywhere I could be. Right. For a very long time. And yeah, I mean, I didn't, you know, you, it's, you're right. It's hard to meet people. And then to your point, the jealousy factor, which it's, it's always wild to me because if you ever ask a guy, are you jealous? Like, no, nah, I'm not jealous. And then yeah. they're with someone. It's like, why is that guy talking to you? Right. You know, <laughs> you're like, I thought you weren't jealous. I'm not, I'm concerned. And you're like, no, you're jealous fool. It's okay. I mean, yeah, I guess I have the question for you. You know, is it, what do you think about jealousy? Because I think there's a fine line of ambivalence where you're like, Hey, do you care that people are talking to me versus excessive jealousy where no one can talk to you? Oh my gosh, what are you doing? You're making these huge mistakes. It's, you know, it's, I think that, you know, guys have to learn that balance, right. Of right. I care for you. I'm concerned, but if you've got it, if you give me the wink and the nod, we're good. If you give me the, the signal where you itch your shoulder, I come running into the rescue. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's definitely a balance. I mean, the other thing I think is really important is uh, good communication. Like you got to mm-hmm. be on the same page. And if, if I find someone who I want to take that step and be like, Hey, trust me, I got to go on the road, but like, trust me, of course, like I'm not going to go two days without talking to them and telling them where I'm at. You know, that is sketchy. That is weird. But if, if I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm doing today. And uh, I told you, you know, like I would have no reason to lie to someone. Yeah. Uh, and I, I choose to be with you. So you should believe me. And uh, if I'm choosing you, then you should feel good about it. You know, I think that's a, that's a big thing. And it's, it's a uh, flattering to have a guy be like, Oh, yeah, well, you're mine, you know, and like, mm-hmm. but then secure enough to stand there and be like, Yeah, go do your thing. Yeah, like, yeah. go go talk to your people. And, but it's another thing when they're like, Well, why'd you take a picture with him? Or why did that guy want your number? You know, it's like, well, he has a venue that I'd like to play at. And uh, this guy has been following my music for a long time and asked to have a picture. It's totally normal. So you need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, you know, I, I just, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? This young lady, she needs a fly-in cowboy. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing in two weeks? I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be in Nashville. I'm going to be in Vegas. It's like, you know what? So am I. South, hey, gentlemen, Southwest tickets are like a hundred bucks. Right. Yes. It, we, that's what we need. 
right? I mean, this, <laughs> you don't have to be rich, obviously don't be foolish with your money, but you don't have to be rich to, to shoot in and, and see a great show. I mean, it's music, you know, it's, right. it's not like it's something it's not it, that you're not going to enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I, that's my hope is that someday maybe I'll find someone who enjoys what I do. Um, maybe not as much as I do, but at least, you know, <laughs> sees the struggles and can celebrate the wins with me and like kind of shares the passion because it is such a huge part of me that I, like if it, if I had it taken away, I would not be Olivia Harms. I would be a totally different person. It's not like a normal job where you're working at a bank and you say, okay, well, I'm going to try something else or whatever. I'm not going to work at the bank anymore. And then you go on to another career and you're still the person you were before, just a different job. Well, for me, it would, it would like just totally change the personality that I have. I don't think I would be near as happy if I couldn't have music in my life. So to share the passion and the the wins and uh, even just have someone who's interested in hearing new songs as I write them is really important to me because it's just like it's a big piece of my heart and so if you're going to have a relationship you got to try to try to share that part too exactly how do you how do you unplug you know I mean at, at the end of the day the 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 reality is is that music and your efforts and everything you do I mean you're giving to other people so how right. do you recharge your battery? How do you get ready to write the next song? I mean, do you take a vacation or you, do you sit with mom? You know, do you throw on some romantic comedies and just kick your feet up and order whatever your favorite food is? And what is your favorite food? Yeah, what is my favorite food? Uh, gosh, I love good Mexican food. I'm a sucker okay. for pizza. I love carbs. Yes. I, you know, I, sh I shouldn't. Not Well, how dare you say you shouldn't love carbs? You should love carbs because oh pizza I do. Is and I now I'm going to have them. it for dinner tonight. You, you <laughs> I love them. Done. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I like, how do I recharge? You know, I, uh, I do feel like I'm a, a true Gemini in the fact that people say Geminis are uh, two-sided or two-faced. I'm not two-faced. So what you see is what you get. But uh, I do feel like I'm super outgoing. I love to be with people and I love to talk and, you know, laugh and have fun and, and be around my people. And then at the same time, there's days where I'm like, I just, I want to sit in my house and I just want to like do my work and hang out with my dogs. And I really don't want anyone to ask anything of me today. And that's not to say that I don't love the days where I do get to go be Olivia Harms and play music and, you know, have people come up and say hello. But I think I have both sides where I love to be out in it. And then other days, I'm just like kind of a, a little hermit and I like to be in my house and just chill. Um, like today, it's kind of a hermit day. You know, I get to just catch up on house stuff, laundry, you know, unpack, kind of get my house resituated clean. I was going to go out for Halloween tonight with some of my friends. And then I thought, you know, I just kind of feel like I really want to go to H-E-B get me some food and have a nice little evening cooking, maybe watching a movie tonight, have a glass of wine, just chill out with me and my dogs. And uh, so that's kind of how I recharge is just take a little time for me. And then before you know it, I'm ready to go and see all the people again. Now you, you mentioned your dogs a couple of times. What kind of dogs do you have? I have two rescue cow dogs. So I have okay. Luna uh, Luna's birthday was yesterday. She's five and she is border collie Catahoula. Ooh. So she's got lots of energy. Yeah. And then, yeah, lots of energy. We do like <laughs> two to three miles a day because she loves to go. 
And then I have Elmer and Elmer is a blue healer, Australian shepherd. And he's, he's four. So they're both pretty young and uh, very energetic. And they're the best road dogs, traveling partners that I could ever, ever wish for. Yeah. I was going to say, so you, you travel with both. Yes, I do. I do. I travel with both of them. Uh, You know, people say that a lot. They say, do you really take your dogs with you? I'm like, well, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, they got to come with me. I mean, I would be so lonely if I if I didn't have them. I don't think I could do what I do if I didn't have dogs. You know, if you're totally alone, I just don't think I could. So they got to come with me and they're great. They hang out when they need to hang out. They don't chew up the trailer or ruin anything. They're just the perfect little, perfect little companions. Nice. No, I I love dogs. I was raised with dogs uh, up in Montana and um, there, there is, there's a connection. There's, there's a knowingness with dogs uh, that they, um, that they give, right. They, they know when you're having a tough day, they know when to snuggle a little bit extra. Absolutely. They totally do. And it's, it's like, they just constantly love you. And they're always happy to see me when I come home. They always like what I make for dinner. You know, that's it's just, <laughs> they're great. They're, they're so awesome. And they never get jealous. Oh, she's gonna talk. That's all right. Be quiet. <laughs> it's all but, Yeah, good. they're perfect. They know, they know I'm talking about them. They can tell they're, they're getting sassy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, uh, I wonder, you know, is, we're watching this, uh, you know, the, the courting happening and, you know, he's sending all the roses and, you know, you've got all this stuff going on for you. How does a guy win you over? Is it, is it the roses? Is it, you know, is it, is it, is it the big flash and pow? I mean, I, I think there's, there's two misnomers here, right? Either a ladies love the big flash and pow. You, you, you got to send them roses every day for a week, or it's the, the simple pleasures of life, that country life, that's those simple things. Yeah. You know, I like, I would say a little bit of both. I'm a, I'm a complex person. I think I, you know, I grew up on a ranch, so I love just, uh, you know, getting dirty and go chasing cows mm-hmm. and being able to do that. But I also really love to go out to a nice dinner or like a nice evening out in the city. So I have, country and city. And I equally love both because I love to adventure and, um, you know, go try new things. But I also do love just the quiet of being in the country at the ranch. And so I think the main thing for me is if someone has a sense of humor, you know, I love to laugh. I'm silly. I'm goofy. I'm not a very serious person at all, you know, so I need someone who is like (laughs) gonna match me in my silly jokes and goofiness and so that's important they gotta love animals my dog's gotta like them that's important (laughs) (laughs) um flowers never hurt anyone you know unless someone has a flower allergy i say always send flowers it's never gonna hurt you um so stuff like that being thoughtful i don't need big elaborate acts like i don't need someone to pretty woman me Mm -hmm. But uh, just, I would say thoughtfulness, like leaving me a note or, you know, taking time to say a nice little text message or a nice little call or just something that says, yep, I was thinking of you. And it lets me know that it wasn't, they're not just BSing, like they were honestly thinking of me and said, oh, I'm going to do this since I'm thinking of her. Nice. So it, it seems like the fast forwarding, the retired 
Olivia Harms is living in two places or access to a city will at the same time you've got your ranch accurate probably yeah that's pretty accurate like a nice little house in the country or uh going home to be on the ranch with my brother once in a Mm -hmm. while um and then just lots of travel i don't think i'll ever get tired of traveling you know there's the world is so big there's so much to see i just love it i love going new places you know every time i've been to europe I love it over there. There's so much history to take in and learn about. And I've uh, been to Australia, New Zealand with my mom. And it's just amazing down there to see their culture. So I will never stop traveling. So I got to find me a travel buddy that also what, wants to ranch. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Where, where are some of you, you, you mentioned Australia, New Zealand, where are some other favorite, favorite uh, spots for uh, Ireland? For I okay. love Ireland. Uh, everyone over there is so nice and they all play music and, you know, they're just, they're just so fun to be around and kind of just listening to them makes you laugh. And then I love France. Uh, my mom and I spent five days in Paris and that okay. was so fun. We just like walked around and did all the things, drank all the wine and ate some really good French food. Uh, I've, I got to go up to Latvia in Estonia, which was kind of a surprise for me that I enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, mm-hmm. Germany, this all, they all have their wonderful little perks, you know, fun things to see. So I've enjoyed every bit of it. Perfect. Yeah. I uh, had the privilege to go to Brazil, which I thoroughly enjoyed, loved it. And uh, been to Thailand, got to say Chiang Mai was amazing. I mean, staying at an elephant preserve and just, you know, known for their food and cooking classes and I'm with you. Like I love to travel. It is one of those things. And I like to enjoy travel and have fun and just, you know, make it the best you can. Cause sometimes it it gets chaotic, especially international travel, even here in the U S I mean, I, I prefer to drive over flying if I can. Right. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, get me off the main. I don't need the five, the five lane highway. Right. I want the two lane. My daughter and I road trip so much together that when she sees water towers, she goes, oh, it's a potty break. Yeah, I love it. Right. Because it is. I I mean, we stopped. We were in one place in Louisiana driving to Kentucky. We're in Louisiana because I'm taking the long way home. And uh, and we stop at this place and it looks like it used to be an old McDonald's. And it is kind of a convenience store, but it's also a meat store. But they only serve gator and different cuts of gator. And we walked, she's got to use the bath and we walked back and we got an old school toilet. I'm talking the yeah. old, old toilet where it's the foam that's cracked. Oh yeah. So when you oh, good stuff. your butt, you know, that old yes. school. And we've got that. And Harper looks in this bathroom and she goes, dad, this place is disgusting. And then goes, but it smells amazing. I can go <laughs> potty here. <laughs> You're like, cool. Good job, darling. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can go potty here. No, no, no. You're going potty here. I mean, listen, we're not. Oh my gosh. Yeah, those, I love it. That's so fun. We stopped at one place. We stopped at this gas station in Alabama and rolled up. She was hungry. I like to leave at like four in the morning, really early. Yeah. You get going. You're and folks, for those of you who don't know this, and obviously Olivia knows this, but your body, you can stay on the road longer. You can drive a little bit farther and, and actually enjoy it. If you get up early before the sun comes up, because the rhythms of your body wake up to the rising sun. 
And so as the sun right. comes up, you just, you get that little extra in, you, you're not speeding, you're not rushing, you're just cruising along. And it's absolutely amazing. And I'd gotten her up early and we're coming through and we see this place and they're like, uh, it's a truck stop and it's sketchy is a kind word. Mm-hmm. And it's his world famous pancakes. And I just said, all right, I'll get a short stack. And the guy goes, okay. I said, if you don't mind, you know, we're just going to go over to the convenience store side over here, use the restroom, buy a couple of things. We'll be right back. She goes, no rush, sir. We're over there. I'm looking for what I call road beers, which are where's the local brewery that's got their beer in there. I'm going to get a six pack, bring it back to my friends. We're going to try it. You know, we might right. love it. We might hate it, but who cares? It's worth the $9 right. investment and conversation. And we go back over. It's been 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh man, Harper, we got to hustle. I think your pancakes are going to be cold. They haven't started yet or they're not done. And oh. she goes, it's just going to be another minute, sir. And I was like, okay, they gave us a short stack. Olivia, I, I cannot, this is no hyperbole. They were each three quarters of an inch thick. Oh my they word. They were the best pancakes I have ever tasted in my life. Harper took a bite and she goes, dad, I don't need syrup. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My car was just, and the vehicle was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is so, so amazing. And I love that. But you know, you don't find that. You're not finding that on a major highway. That's not at the Flying J truck stop. Not there's anything wrong with the Flying J. It's just not there. Right. You know, it's just not. I mean, we take my truck, I drive a big F 250 and we drive up to Montana. Right. The best it's the best. I, I can't, I mean, folks, I know gas is expensive and it sucks, but I'm telling you, you got to explore America. It's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yes. It is. It is so amazing. And some of the weird little golden nugget places that you find are mm-hmm. just so fun. I mean, I remember when I decided that I was going to hook up and buy a travel trailer and mm-hmm. drive from Oregon to Texas. And a lot of people are like, you're nuts. Like you're a blonde, you're single, and you're going to drive this from Oregon to Texas. And I was like, yep, <laughs> me and my dogs. We're going to go. Dogs. <laughs> but I had the best time. And it was like, just so, I want to say like freeing. And I like just, I was like, so like proud of myself, especially as a woman being like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I stopped in Moab and I went on a hike by myself and it was mm-hmm. just so empowering to be like, I can do this. And I drove this far. And, and now that I've done it a, a few times, I've just thought it's so amazing. Yes. It's a lot of miles and I do have a lot of miles on my pickup, but it is so amazing to like, just go through all these little towns and see what life must just think about what life must be like in some of these small little towns and how people got stuck there or how some people might never get out of that little town and how lucky are we that we get to drive through on our way to somewhere else people like places where they would probably just dream of going and so it really can help keep you grounded on like how lucky and blessed I am to live the life that I do I went through Shiprock New Mexico a couple weeks ago And it is a hole, like it is bad. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I say that laughingly, but I, I just like found myself like praying for them while I was passing through. I was like, I just, I've never seen, there was so much government housing and it was just, there wasn't even any weeds. It was such a desert. It was just such a desert. There wasn't anything. And then and just, you look around at how, where kids would play. I mean, there's no playground, there's no grass. It's just dirt. And I thought, boy, I'm really lucky that I, I don't live here. I probably won't stop here. 
but I hope that these people, if they want to get out and see something else in the world, I really hope they get that opportunity because we are so lucky to be able to do that and go from Texas to Montana or Texas to Oregon and every place in between and see what the world has to offer. Absolutely. Now, have you been to Montana? I have. I love Montana. I've played in uh, Bozeman a couple times. I was in Billings uh, last fall and last spring, and I love Montana. It's one of my favorite states. It's great. I always I uh, I have this dream that there's a part of me that when I retire, I I want to open up a little. In my mind, it's knuckles and knives, and it's just it's a little honky tonk bar that has a really good kitchen, but I'm only it. making food that I want to make. Like, there's not a consistent right. menu. And I, and I practice with my friends here all the time. Like the other night we were hanging out and I said, all right, you guys come over. I've got this idea. I'm like, you've got an idea. What's your idea? I said, one, I'm doing a bourbon pecan uh, pie, but I want to do it with chocolate dusted almonds and uh, salted pretzels as the crust. Mm, yeah. Like, okay. I said, it might be gritty. I don't know because, you know, the pretzels emulsify and go to dust easier than anything else does. So we'll, we'll try. And then for the sandwiches, I'm like, we're going to do a large, thinly hammered chicken breast sandwich, but then we're going to coat it in you know, dusted wasabi almonds. And then we're going to add in. And so I just, I'm breaking all this down. And my buddies are just like, are you serious? How long are you going to spend on this? When was the last time you cooked this? I haven't done this stuff before. I'm excited. Let's try some stuff. Yeah. And we do it every week now. Like every week now, we're just trying and making something new. And it's becoming this, you know, it's, it's like the idea, right? You speak it out and it starts to fulfill. The prophecy starts to fulfill a little bit. Who knows? But I wouldn't mind spending my summers up in a small little, you know, farming town, making fun food and, you know, uh, handing someone a cold Budweiser sounds pretty nice. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Where, um, if you, you know, so you've got Texas and Oregon and you kind of bounce yes. in between both. What for you is, which one really has your heart? Oh, you know, that's so hard because I think both, um, I miss the mountains more than anything okay. when I'm down here, just because it's, it's so hard to to kind of tell where I'm at sometimes mm -hmm. uh, y'all look around and I'm like, where, where the heck am I? You know, <laughs> you can't tell North, South, East, West with all the mountains that I'm so used to. Um, and my family's up there and I really miss the seasons. Okay. Um, but then I remind myself, Hey, I'm not cold. Uh, I'm like constantly just comfortable down here. It's my kind of people. Uh, they're all friendly, nice. I mean, I've met some of my best friends, or adopted family from them just being like, Hey, darling, do you need a place to park your trailer tonight? And I'll be like, um, yeah, actually, <laughs> yes, I do. And then, uh, you know, I'll go park with them and take the leap of faith and they feed me some good home cooked food. And, and I have a safe place to play, stay and end up making like some really great friends just, just because of their kindness. And so I've found that people are way friendlier and way kinder than they are in Oregon. I mean, I, I do feel like I'm, I'm really 50, 50. I, I, it's hard to choose. I don't know where I'm going to stay forever. You know, now I have a house in Texas and, um, I I've been doing some home improvement projects. I, I see that, uh, Andy is doing some home improvements <laughs> on, <laughs> on the movie right now, you know, decorating and all that. And I get to, I get to do that now at my house, but, um, 
I don't know if I'll stay down here forever uh, or if I'll go back to Oregon or where I'll end up, but I do love both. And so if I had it my way, I would probably try to to stay living in both places, you know, a couple months of the year, still go to Oregon in the Northwest in the summer and then stay in Texas the rest of the time. Nice. Nice. Do you, uh, you know, we're, we're at that, they're, they're doing, yeah. you know, he's, he's making the dinner, he's making the food. I've got to ask you, uh, anytime, any place, right. I call it being at the table when, when you're with yeah. the people that are special to you, right. You never say goodbye. You say, I'll see, I'll see you again. And that might be, you know, in, in heaven, it, it might be down the road somewhere. Uh, who's at your table and what are you serving? Who's at my table? Oh, that's hard because I love to cook like you do. So uh, definitely my family. Uh, I have like wonderful friends. So all my girlfriends, they bring whoever they want. If they're seeing someone, some of them are married, some of them have kids, bring them all. And mm -hmm. uh, we'll just probably have some good steaks. It's hard to beat a good steak. Maybe okay. steak and pizza that doesn't go together, but that's <laughs> two of my favorite Hey, it's things. your table. You get You bring what you want. It's your table. That's right. But probably steak. Um, and you know, just some like really good, like home sides, like potatoes and, and beans and, um, corn, like all sorts of fresh produce and things that people have grown with love. And then of course, some really good desserts too. Like I love cobbler crisps, all that sort of stuff. Nice. Nice. And now, and who's at the table with you? I mean, who's at the table oh yeah, my mom my dad my brother okay. uh my best friend stephanie and lots of my other friends um gotta invite my grandparents you know like a lot of friends from texas i have an adopted set of parents that kind of just claim me down in weatherford uh Rhonda may and jack so you know you got all the people i, I would just have an open door policy and let everybody come i think the more the merrier i like it i like it you uh you bring up your family quite a bit and your brother as well. It seems like family's a, an important component in your life. Um, what is that? What is that like for you family? I mean, how do you describe that? Oh, I'm so lucky. I feel like I got a really close family. I'm, I'm most close with my mom. She really is my best friend. I mean, more so than a mom. I mean, that, that part uh, she succeeded at that. I like to think, hopefully, I mean, she didn't, she didn't suck at being a mom. She was really good. So mm -hmm. I'm grown now and I just call her about everything. So she's more of a best friend to me than anything else. And, um, it's, it's really amazing to have such a great mom. Uh, my dad is, is great. He's, you know, just kind of a, a gruff guy that <laughs> likes being at the ranch. Um, but he's always there if I need anything. I don't talk to him near as much as I talk to my mom, but we check in every once in a while and he makes sure that I'm doing okay on the road. And my brother and I are pretty close too. He, he has taken over the ranch and then he also works uh, selling John Deere tractors. And so he's doing great. And we check in with each other every once in a while. I'll get to go up there and be with them over Thanksgiving. So I'm looking forward to being back with them because we are pretty close. Love to do games, love to build a big fire and just sit around and chat. Sometimes we'll play music if more family comes over or just, you know, watch some games. Uh, we're all big Oregon State fans. So we'll probably watch, you know, the football game. We have the Civil War after Thanksgiving. So you know, just any time where we can be together, we're all pretty happy. 
That's awesome. That's very cool. It's uh, so you brought up Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday because of the cooking and being able yeah. to cook for people. So I'm going to run you over. I want to get your take on this. Uh, this is my coming menu for Thanksgiving. This is what I've got okay. going on so far. One goat cheese, mashed potatoes. So I'm also, mm. I'm, a, I'm a big proponent in, I think traditionally Thanksgiving kind of leans on one note. And I really want the notes to, I, I, I want an orchestra. I want some craziness, spicy sausage yeah. stuffing. Nice. Day old glazed donut, uh, bread pudding. Mm, okay. Sounds really good. Fresh cinnamon rolls I make in the morning. So when you get up, you got a little glass of champagne, you've got some fresh cinnamon rolls, you got a hot cup of coffee, you know, kind of hitting all that. Obviously yeah, mac and cheese. Got to have some nice. mac and cheese garlic carrot fries mm. bacon rosemary stuffed mushrooms okay pumpkin nice. cornbread and an apple pear stuffed turkey with a maple butter glaze and then sweet potato gnocchi with a molasses tarragon drizzle Damn, boy, I wouldn't come to your house for Thanksgiving. That sounds so good. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that sounds great. Are you having a lot of people coming over then? So I have my uh, one of my good friends, Andrea, her son and my daughter do Taekwondo together. And they're just they're good friends. And awesome. so she's actually she was she's got her two kids and their uncle her friend Allison, who's got a bigger place than both of us. So we're going to go to her friend Allison's house. And I just told her, I said, listen, you just have that door unlocked at 6 a.m. I got to start prepping about two days early. You know, I'll see your oven. I'll know how to rotate things. We'll get it all knocked out. But I mean, Thanksgiving and that idea of cooking for people is just, it's so much fun because you, you're, you're putting your time, love, tenderness, effort, and all of those things into a moment into a bite. oh yeah and i love that challenge i think absolutely. that's absolutely awesome. so are you going to be cooking everything by yourself then or are, you, are they helping no i'll be cooking everything by myself okay I, uh, yeah I, I wow i get into a rhythm and i just you know and then there's there's the rotation of things and yeah it's just it it becomes uh for me it's it's like therapy you know, yeah. I get it. I, I, I'm alone in there. I mean, my thing is like, hey, you want to come in and see how I'm doing? Thank you very much. Uh, right. Are you going to pour that glass of wine? Okay, perfect. <laughs> right. Uh, I love that. Yeah. It's, it, it's fun. That's that fun. Way. Once upon a time, I decided that I would try to make a whole Thanksgiving dinner myself. Uh, my mom, you know, was playing, I don't know. I was first or second year of college, I think. Okay. And uh, she was playing music and we were going to go to um, my aunt's house for Thanksgiving day. And so my mom was saying how she's all bummed out because turkey leftovers are the best. You know, everyone has the classic turkey soup and it's the wonderful leftovers. And so she was like, I'm really bummed that we're not going to be able to have the, the turkey bones and, you know, put it in a big pot, make soup and all these other fun leftover recipes that we all have. And uh, so I thought, well, you're playing, I think it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving or Sunday. I can't remember what it was, but one day where I was like, 
you're going to be gone all day. I got nothing mm-hmm. to do. I was just like home from college break. And uh, my dad and my brother had projects to do. And so I thought, well, um, yeah. So she was like, sure, if you want to try it, go ahead. And so I did. I brined the turkey and I made sweet potato casserole, mashed potatoes, homemade rolls, nice. pumpkin pie, pecan pie, apple pie, Ooh. like Brussels sprouts, green beans, like all that stuff. And it, I, by the end of it, I think it's like 13, 14 hours in the kitchen. It was unreal. But, <laughs> but I had the best time. By the end, I was like, I'm really so tired. I don't know. I even want to eat. But it was it was something that was fun to do. Now I can say, by golly, I have made the whole damn spread by myself. So if I ever get in a pinch over Thanksgiving, I can do it. You can do it. I like it. I uh, Last year, I got roped in in, in a positive way with uh, a couple of charities helping feed homeless people down here in Austin. And they reached out and they said, hey, we have like three turkeys and we don't have enough refrigerator space. Yeah. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, that's, you know, that's a hard thing to do. I, right. and I said, so what do you need? Do you mean just refrigerate? Like, could you cook them? And I was like, yeah. And so now I'm having fun. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do a pear stuffed one. I'm going to do it with this, with this sweet butter sauce on top to keep it moist on the outside and get the, you know, crispy and all this. And then I'm going to do a traditional one. And that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm in my element of so much fun. Yeah. I drop them off. I come back the next day and I go, where are the leftovers? they're like, what do you mean? And, you know, in Montana, what we had is my dad called it shit on a shingle and it was mashed potatoes, stuffing, your, um, your leftover turkey slices, gravy in between French toast, in between a thick French bread, toasted French bread. Yeah. Oh gosh. That sounds great. So then I come back and like, what are you doing? And, and this guy, and this is, you know, this is where it's, I have a real soft spot for, for people that are, that are down their luck or have, you know, been dealt something hard. Cause this gentleman comes over and he goes, Hey, uh, are you the guy who made the turkeys? And I said, Oh, I made a couple. A lot of people made Turkey. He goes, no, you dropped them off yesterday. They had the weird stuff inside that no one would eat. And I was like, Oh yeah, 100% me. I'm sorry. Did you get sick? And he's like, <laughs> he goes, no, I used to be a chef in a restaurant. Those were actually really good. Yeah. Like, You're kidding me. And he's like, no, I go, well, wait till later on today. He goes, what? I told him what I'm bringing. He's like, you're kidding. I said, no, come on, man, let's do this. So when I go to my place, make them all, wrap them in tinfoil, put them in the oven, like 185 for an hour. So they're nice and hot, deliver them down there. And he yells over to all these people in line. He goes, this is the guy he's bringing more food. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they come running over and I'm like, it's hot. It's hot. I had so much fun serving that food, giving that food out, helping those people out. And the fact that they enjoyed it, that it was either like, you didn't just make something edible. You wanted to make us something fun to eat. And I was like, yeah, yeah. isn't that the point? And they're like, mm, absolutely not really. And I was like, well, that makes me sad because it should be like, oh, for sure. just because you're down your luck doesn't mean you get boring food, you know, absolutely, you know, put some effort into it, folks. If you're going to help out my, my old thing is if you're going to help out, help out. If you're going to give, give good, you know, right. Don't just half-ass it. Yeah. You can't because it, it, it shortens them. And it quite honestly gives insight into, you know, uh, where your heart's at. And if it's not in it, then don't do it. Right. Oh, I agree. It's a wild time, man. I do love me some Turkey day. It is. And it's coming up soon. I mean, I am so excited. I get my, my daughter will be with me for like, like 11 straight days. 
She helps me prep. She helps me get all this stuff done. We listen to music. We will be listening to some of your music, obviously, because, you know, you've got a new number one fan. Oh, I love it. Well, I love my Harper. She's so sweet. (laughs) She's a good kid. She's, uh, she was, she was walking around the other day with your hat on and, you know, one of the parents around her was like, Hey, that's a cool hat. She goes, yeah, it's my friend. She signed it, but there's also, there's a message inside and it's pretty much for me because it's, you know, touching my head. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, oh, that's kid. This kid. Do you, uh, you know, your, your mom, obviously uh, children, uh, no, no shocker there, but, uh, do you, do you have a desire to have kids or, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I totally, totally do. Once I find my Mr. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, I want to have kids. I, I don't know if I want to have like a whole slew of them, maybe like two or three, you know, I think that's reasonable in today's world, but definitely do you know my life plan sort of you know life has its own idea but if I could sort of organize it um you know I'm 27 so I like to think that if I hustle hard enough over the next couple years maybe I will get lucky enough to sort of have a a little more of a foundation built because right now I play over 200 dates this year like it's insane I that's so many and I'm always going somewhere I'm always traveling and so I would like to maybe get it where I could play more ticketed shows where people like come to see me or um or I have a little bit more of a following or a fan base where I can pick and choose which shows I'd like to do or you know maybe not do such a a quantity but do more quality shows Mm -hmm. that would be my goal and then you know then I'd be 32 33 and start thinking about having some little kiddos because I would love to you know do Halloween with them and all the costumes carving pumpkins doing the pumpkin patch Thanksgiving and Christmas and you know all the fun things that you get to do with kids a couple of my good friends have kids and I just oh my gosh I love hanging out with them they're so funny the stuff that they say and you know if you just give them time which it sounds like you do and a lot of my friends are really good parents and they just spend time with kids you get so much more out of it when you spend time with them and you know like just they they're so bright and they have taught me so much just by hanging out with them and so it's definitely on my list but right now I just have my, my two little fur kids hey. <laughs> that I get to practice with. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be a helicopter mom. That's, uh, that's no, <laughs> no doubt about that. I'm always like, where, where's the dogs? Where are they at? Where are they? Okay, don't, you know, we're not going out on the road. Like I'm sure I'm going to be a terrible helicopter mom. Whoever gets me is going to have to be like, Hey lady, chill out. They're kids. <laughs> oh, I got that first day. I mean, the jump, I, I held my daughter. And I looked around and I said, who put this diaper on? And mind you, I'd never put a yeah. diaper on a kid. And I'm like, who put this diaper on? They're like, what do you mean? And I go, I have poop on my hand. Someone didn't put this diaper on correctly. And they're like, sir, she's, she's, she's too new to have poop. And I go, really? And I hold my hand up. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, can I get some wipes and a diaper, please? And they're like, yeah. excuse me? And I clean her up and I'm like, this, it needs to go on tighter because she's so tiny. Because when she, yeah. was, she was, she came early and she was like five pounds. I mean, it was, it was chaos. And then I was, I'm kind of a helicopter dad, kind of not, but the bassinet was on my side of the bed. She fell asleep holding my finger. Oh, and so, you know, we just had this bond and I was like, 
I'll get up at midnight and feed her. I'll get up at 2 a.m. I'll get up at 4 a.m. because it's my time where there's no distractions because I work a lot. And so my phone's not going off. And then I'm just indoctrinating her with, I jokingly say horrible music, but my kid, when we get in the car, if she gets in, she wants to take a bath. She listens to muddy waters. Yeah. That's her jam. I love it. I love it. You know, if, if we're, if we're going for a drive, Steve Miller band has to be on the playlist. Yeah. Uh, it's easy. I mean, she is, she likes Huey Lewis in the news. You know? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I so firmly believe, I firmly believe it's because of midnight playing music, 2 AM yes. playing music, hanging out and making that a part of something where we're sitting in the house and the TV's on and she'll be like, Oh, let's listen to some music. I'm like, perfect. And she's like, Oh, I like great Caesar. I like this band. I like this group. Hey dad, can you throw this on? Hey, these people don't know who, um, you know, honey, honey band is. Can we, you know, play that for my friends? I'm like, honey, I don't think, you know, your friends like K-pop. Yeah. <laughs> don't know that they're going to yeah. get down with it. She's like, my friend doesn't know who Dolly Parton is dad or Barbara Mandrell. This is embarrassing. You got to play yeah. some of the music. Please, <laughs> dad. Like, Please, dad. I'm like, you got it. No worries, kiddo. And I love it. It's awesome, man. Music has a it has a thing. Now you you do some tribute songs. Uh, you know what are some of the uh, some of the uh, musicians that have really inspired you? Well, I mean, you said Dolly Parton. She's forever yeah. queen in my book, next to my mom, of course. Yeah. But um, Dolly Parton, I love her. Um, I totally love like Patsy Cline and okay. uh, Emmy Lou Harris, like their songwriting, especially Emmy Lou. I love Emmy Lou's songwriting. She's amazing. Um, I listen to everything though. I, I love like Leanne Womack. Her voice mm-hmm. is one that really stuck with me when I was younger. And I was like, I really like that. And I think I may have like taken a little bit and added it to my sound. Uh, I used to love Shania Twain, all the girl gang, Brooks and Dunn, George Strait, you know, all these people, but I really do listen to everything. Like if you go to my liked songs on Spotify, it is a musical journey. Like it is everything that you could imagine. We have uh, Jim Croce, we have Bread, we have some uh, Katy Perry from when I was in high school, you know, Uh, (laughs) like the Black Eyed Peas. We have old country, new country, Texas country, uh, a lot of folk songs. I like Raylan Baxter, uh, Jason Boland. Um, I mean, it's, there's all kinds of people. And then there's even like some Australian music uh, called like the Black Bears. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's all kinds of weird stuff that I just like throw it in there. And I think that's what kind of keeps me, you know, paying attention to music is because I don't surround myself with the same genre, with the same content, with the same sound. I listen to everything. The only thing that I just can't get on board with is like really aggressive rap music. I just, I'm like, this is messing up my Zen. I just feel like (laughs) it's too disruptive for me. (laughs) But as long as it's like sort of storytelling, kind of peaceful it's not like really aggressive then it's totally on my playlist and I love listening to how they rhyme things or how they structure songs what their content is um everything you know I think it's it's we all have something to learn by paying attention to how artists create music because at the end of the day they are artists 
Yeah, they really are. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's amazing. You know, it's, uh, your diversity in music is, is great because it, you know, it, it does that feeds the soul right in just different ways and in, in different environments of, of where you want to be and what you want to, what you want to do. I, um, I wonder for you, you know, as, as you're traveling and going places and you talked about, you know, more ticketed sales, are there certain things like on your, on your checklist that you, that you definitely want to do, whether, you know, like I know for, if you're a startup, right, you want to come to South by Southwest. I mean, they've got music obviously, and they do a good job with it. I've brought musicians in for South by, but are there some for you that are just like, this is on the board. Like I'm going to get this done. I'm going to go, I'm going to perform. Oh, for here. sure. I mean, uh, one of them for me was Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. That was such a, a big one for me. I was like, oh, I can't believe this. And it's, it's on everybody's list if you're a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one for sure. And that's one that I, I feel like really proud that I've accomplished. And then there's the Grand Ole Opry. I think everybody has that on their list. Um, but more like local ones, like uh, Green Hall. I would love to play Green Hall or okay. uh, Billy Bob's or uh, you know, like the broken spoke or something, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of just iconic little places, uh, South by, you know, that's on, been on my list for a while. Um, just lots of like those iconic places that people talk about playing, uh, Red Rocks. If that ever happens, I will just be on cloud nine. Red Rocks uh-huh. is so gorgeous. I went there a couple of years ago just to, just to walk around and say, I've been there because I had a free day in Colorado. And just walking through there, I thought, boy, how amazing would it be to like see this filled or even like half filled? Like, let's let's be real. Like, if even if it's half filled with people that are there to see me and I get to play on this amazing stage and this beauty, like, I think that would just, I would be like, okay, God, like, I'm ready. You can take me now. It's good. I, I've, <laughs> I've accomplished a few things. Like, it would be great. Um, but at, at the end of the day, really, truly all that matters for me or all that makes a gig good for me is the people. You know, if you yeah. have people that are there that are honestly listening and paying attention to what I'm singing and like they have energy, that's the biggest thing I feed off of their energy when I can tell people are connecting and listening um, and they're enjoying it. Oh my gosh, I feel like I can put on such a better show. But when I'm just kind of, you know, at a, uh, a brewery or a winery or someplace where I can tell that I'm just sort of background music and I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, getting through the gig and uh, people are sort of paying attention, but they're not really invested. Uh, it makes it a lot harder for me to be excited about being there and like wanting to put on a good show. Whereas if I can tell they're paying attention, boy, I'll tell stories and make jokes and we all laugh and have a good time. And so that's really what makes it a good gig or an iconic venue for me is the people. No, that makes sense. Uh, it's, um, I remember before, you know, uh, we had that gluten intolerance outbreak for a couple of years throughout the country here and they were shutting things down. Um, it was, you know, we, uh, South by Southwest, I had, uh, Craig Wayne Boyd and, uh, Callie Tucker out here. Cool. And we went to this one event and it was for investors there was probably, I don't know, $20 billion in the room. Yeah. And I brought my buddy Kosha Dills in, who is a uh, rapper from, from Israel and just an amazing guy. He loves pickles. He's wild as can be. I and love it. 
they did a, they did a tribute they did sweet home alabama and in the middle kosher wrapped and then they brought oh, cool. back out and then they also did with one of the guys um they did uh the i don't even know the name of the song but um what's that movie where the country western singer gets married it, it was with um i can't my brain is fried today uh I can't even think of the name of this song. Um, it's uh, it had um, it had the uh, Lady Gaga in it. Oh, um, yes. It was a remake. Yes. Yes, A Star Is Born. A Star Is Born, and so the yes. you know, the big song from A Star Is Born, right? It was we um, they sang that that song. He didn't even know the words, so he had to look him up on his phone. So you see him looking down. Yeah. This song, and she's singing it with him. But the energy in the room made the moment because everyone was listening. I mean, they were, everyone was glued. Like they went from business talk to, oh no, we're here to listen to, we're here to see some art. Let's right. do this. And it was quiet yeah. and it was yes. awesome. You know, yes, absolutely. Some of my favorite moments aren't the biggest stages. They're some of the smallest. I mean, I, you know, my friends who aren't, they're not together anymore, but they're a band called Great Caesar and they were a lot of fun. And I didn't even know who they were. Didn't even know they existed. And this guy calls me uh, and he goes, hey, Jason, it's Mark. We met years ago. And I said, okay. And he said, well, I'm representing this band. They're in Austin. Their, their van just broke down. And I said, okay. oh, tell me where. Tells me, I said, all right, I'll get a car out there. I'll bring him. And I was at the time, I was with this group and we had rented of office building next to the parking lot where live nation was doing all their live shows. Okay. And so free Wi-Fi, you know, free beer, free water, AC food only for musicians. Right. And so we bring them over and I said, all right, I contacted this guy. He's going to check out your van. I contacted this person. They're going to get your stuff transported over here. And now you guys are here. You want a beer, you want a water, relax, you need some food, AC, whatever you need, hang out. Yeah. And later that night, it was me and they didn't know who else was in the room. And they said, can we sing you some songs? Have you heard our music? And I said, I haven't. And I'm like, all right, we're going to play you some music. And I said, okay. And then one of the guys leaned over and he goes, ask him to sing hallelujah. If they can, if they know it. And I said, all right. I say, uh, John, do you guys know hallelujah? And he goes, yeah, we both know hallelujah. We'll do it. And there was yeah. people in the room started crying. Oh my goodness. Started crying. And it was the execs from Live Nation. And they looked at him wow. and I said, what are you doing Friday night? And they looked at me and I said, don't look at me. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. And they said, we don't have any plans to go. Good. You're closing out our show Friday night. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. And just, you know, and they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, this is where you just say, thank you. And you turn the lights on and walk away. And then Saturday, they come back after they do the show Friday, they come back Saturday night. They're hanging out. This band called Wagaki is there, this Japanese band, cool band. I've got every band in there that's been hanging out in South by for the week and they're all just having yeah. a good time. And in the corner, I set up a mic and a little sound system, everything on eight bands, nine different countries represented started doing tribute songs. Wow. Dockey's warming up in one of these soundproof glass offices. And one of the guys comes out, he's got this pan flute. That's, you know, the, the size of a, of a grand piano and he goes, can I, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, sure. So now I've got part of Wagaki in this now, 
The crowd below is chanting for Wagaki to come out. The manager's up there. The place is going berserk. And it's just musicians cheering on musicians and a couple of my friends. Oh my gosh. Wow. And like, you got to go downstairs, man. You got to get downstairs and perform. And they're like, we're having more fun up here. Yeah. And I was, you know, and like you said, Red Rock, you know, me, I was like, God, you can take me if you want now. My job's done. Like, right. I, I have brought, I've created an environment where musicians are having a good time and being free and just doing the art they want to do however they want to do it. Yeah. One of the, one of the happiest moments of my life, quite honestly, I mean, it really was, it was so much fun. And I, everyone in there was smiling and we've done stuff since, I mean, I've snuck ludicrous into town. I've, you know, brought in different artists. We've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. Nothing compared to that moment. Cause you just can't, you can't, you can't capture right. magic in a bottle like that again. No, I mean, it, and when it happens so organically, like, that's how it's supposed to happen. That's how you know it's special is when it's just organic and it just happens. You could never plan it. You could have never organized this. It just happened because it was meant to be, and it was meant to be a magical moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you, um, what is your, you know, for, for the people listening and I, you know, I've, We've got people all over the U.S. and all over the world. You know, uh, when when you get booked, how does because I'm, it's always different with every artist, right? right? Where like you know, South by plays the game, and you know, we've they get in trouble for it a lot. You know, and other big you know conventions kind of like that do. They're like you just come perform for free. People will show right. up. It's your opportunity to shine. Versus you know, this is my art. This is what I do for a living. It's not my opportunity to yeah. shine. I already shine, you know, you got to right. pay the lady. Yeah. So <laughs> how do you balance that, you know, um, in saying no to opportunities because it's not that it's not the right opportunity. It's the wrong motivation. Yeah. You know, it's hard because, um, Yes. I mean, like there's opportunities like South by has been on my list for a while. You know, I would mm -hmm. love that. I think there's, you have to look at it as imagine the amount of people that are there. Like I will get to play for more people that are interested in hearing me. It's not like they just happen to be there and I'm like, Hey, I'm playing for you today. Listen, if you want to like, no, they are there because they want to discover artists. They want to hear songs. So that alone is really valuable to me because it could, uh, you know, boost me over a certain amount of listeners on Spotify or Apple music, or, um, you know, we could get some more followers on Instagram or more supporters of my music because they're mm -hmm. all gathered right there. And so something like that is definitely worth it where you say, okay, exposure. And it's not like I'm playing for three, four hours, just straight a day. I mean, it's like usually writer's rounds or a showcase or something where it's not like I'm going to just totally exhaust myself playing all day for free. Yeah. Um, so you have to look at it like that. But then there's a lot of times too, where when it's not an opportunity like South by and people say, Oh, you can play in like, it's a great exposure. And one of my favorite things to say is I, I love that. Thank you for thinking of me, but I can get just as much exposure and also get paid, you know, yeah. like I, I get the same amount of exposure, even if I get paid. So um, there's a few situations where absolutely, like I love giving my music. That's a gift that I can give people. I don't have much else I can give. So like music, I love to do charity and fundraisers and give back. Like what I'm not, 
I'm not here to just take, take, take. And, um, you know, that's not what life is about. That's not why I write music. It's because I want to give, but at the same time, you know, I have to run my own little business. And so I can't play for free every time. I have to look at my expenses of getting down the road. What is it going to cost for me to get there with my fuel? How am I going to, am I going to stay in my trailer? Am I going to find a a hotel? What is that going to cost? Because you don't want to go in the hole just to be somewhere either, unless it's going to be extremely beneficial. Usually it's, you know, kind of just a business decision like anyone else would make. So it's great when you find people that um, can appreciate that and say, wow, yeah, like your art is art, but uh, you still got to be able to pay the bills so you can keep making art. Yeah. It's like, if you enjoy my art and thank you for enjoying it, you got to pay for it. Exactly. uh, I I, I had a dear friend had, I have a dear friend and he had this business years ago that he ended up selling to a fortune 100 company, but you couldn't get a meeting with him unless you paid him in advance. Yeah. Like it was, it was, Oh, you, you want me to invest my time. And more importantly, his, his concept was, and and I, I see this the same way with musicians, right? Like if you sang three quarters of the song and then you stop and you go, if you really want to get this song, buy it on Apple. No one's whipping yeah. up their phone and buying it on, right? They're like, no, we're here to listen. And he right. would do, you know, he was like, you want me to spend my time and effort to gear up to understand your business and you don't want to pay me for it? He goes, no. Yeah. He goes, more importantly, I'm not going to tell you, well, if you do program A, then we get into X, Y, and Z. He goes, I'm going to tell you everything because I'm so confident in the way I deliver things that yeah. you're either going to hire me or you're going to try to take my ideas and do them yourself. And if you try to do them yourself, you're going to fail. Right. It's, it's ultimate failure. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, it's a tough spot for musicians because everyone wants your talent. Everyone wants your time, but it's, uh, it seems like, you know, the homogenization of, of streaming and you're getting, you know, 0.009 tenths of a cent for every time your song is streamed. Right. has put people in this idea that we don't have to pay you. It, and it drives me yes. crazy. <laughs> yes, I, I do agree. You know, it's, that's one of the hardest things for musicians to swallow. I think, you know, I spent enough time in Nashville where, uh, especially I was in Nashville during the whole debate of like streaming, you know, and they were changing some of the rights and the, you know, way that streaming is set up. Um, but it's still not totally fair to songwriters. It's a little baby bit better than it was, but it's it's still not great. You know, like you think about the cost that we would have to pay monthly. Like I get both sides. I get it from the consumer side and then I get it from the songwriter musician side. Uh, mm-hmm. Do I want to pay $150 a month for Spotify? No, I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't want to do that at all, but uh, would that probably be one of the better ways for songwriters and musicians to actually get their share of their royalties? Like way back when, when we had to buy it off of Apple or, um, you know, even CDs and records, like then that's a good chunk of the record or the CD sale goes back to the songwriter or the artist. And now, you know, we can listen to a song, I don't know how many, 500 times if you want to in one month and that's that's great the songwriter and the musician is going to get some it's better than nothing but it's not the same percentage as they would if it was set up differently but on the other hand uh, I always try to look at it as um, Spotify and Apple Music or Amazon whatever you like to listen to whatever you use 
they have things that help independent artists like me too. So it's not like someone just buys my CD. Maybe I get a higher percentage, but then they're just stuck with my music or they found me and um, they're like set on that. Well, if now, if someone listens to say like another uh, Texas Red Dirt artist or someone from the Pacific Northwest and they get through that EP or that one single, Spotify or Apple or Amazon is going to say, hey, here's a suggestion of what you should listen to. It's just going to pop on next. Uh, you can go to the artist radio, listen to that, or it'll say you might like these options. And then, bam, they discover Olivia Harms music, where if they would have just bought that person's CD, they might not have found me. So hmm. I have to say thank you, Spotify and Apple Music, even though you don't maybe pay us as much as <laughs> we would like. They do probably provide a way for more people to discover me and everyone loves to discover like that is that is the <laughs> the basis I, of being a human they want to discover the next big thing i have the phone calls and the text messages to prove it right i mean yes. you know yes. people are like no jay you don't understand i was hearing her four or five years ago and i'm like all right calm down man listen relax you were there first you tell right. me what song to buy i'll, I'll get it get them all I'm like okay yeah I do think I would like to tweak this and say from a marketing enterprise level marketing strategy, right? Spot, I would never yeah. look at Apple and Spotify and Amazon as means to pay. I would, I would look at them as like you're saying as, as access, as, as means of reach, right? You're, right. you're not really getting paid, but you are getting reach and you are on the platform. And, you know, I think, you know, it's like a couple hundred bucks a month for all of them. It's pretty yes. simple. Uh, and then I would also say, and I don't think enough artists do this well is they look at themselves as the artist, as the singer songwriter, and they're not, they're a brand, yes. they're a brand and they're an opportunity. And I think if you really want to get paid in this industry, it's not about the songs that are streamed. It's about the brand affiliations that are created. Listen, if a 17 year old kid can get a million dollars for being a quarterback, that's going to go play at a division one school. There yeah. is no way that a singer songwriter rising artist can't get a $500,000 contract because they put 200,000 miles on their rig a year. And on average, 4 million people see them on the road. Like what's right. that advertisement worth? Right. What's Absolutely. the value of that? And where does that sit? And, and then if they're smart being the brand and also being the artist, you combined your communities, you know, now right. you're getting tapped into Coca-Cola's community and Coca-Cola is getting tapped into yours, you know, and it, and it right. creates this synergy and this partnership. And, you know, unfortunately I don't think a lot of people see it that way, but as new artists come in and, and, and are breaking grounds, you know, you look at the comedians and what they've had to do to break grounds and create these brand relationships through podcasts and live shows and everything else. You build that community, man. It's value. It's so Absolutely. much value. You know, it's, Absolutely. it's crazy. And, uh, I would, you know, I shoot, I don't know, but I would, uh, I would always hope and pray that, you know, uh, someone as talented as you, that, that brands see it and go, okay, that's someone we're going to align with morals, values, you know, talent, look, all right, we've got our bases covered. Let's right. go. Right. Right. 
And that's, that's the kind of second tier of uh, what music and artistry has definitely become. You know, there's, mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, well, you know, we just write songs and play music. And I'm like, yes, yes, we do. But, um, you know, there's, there's also like, we are walking billboards also, or we could yeah. be walking billboards. And so you, know, you really have to have that business mindset um, how to take advantage of what I love to do and what I try to do well, and then think of, okay, how can I do this and this and this, or maybe get some people on board or whatever. So then I can even get to the next level. And that's where the business part comes in. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I've never understood why Amazon doesn't take every artist they have on their platform that hits a certain number and says, all right, we've offered you a store. Yeah. Store. So well, you can sell your music on there, but more importantly, you're going on tour. You wear this makeup, you wear these pants, you wear the, you wear this, uh, in the car, you've got to have these things for road trips and you've got it broken down. And not right. only does your community go there and shop to support you and help you, but people are seeing your reviews and right. hearing your music in the background of your reviews, which is only driving them more traffic, but I'm a simple guy from Montana, Olivia. I don't know much. <laughs> well, say I'm just a simple gal from Oregon, but I, I do think we've got some good ideas. So I don't know why they didn't ask us about this earlier. We could have set them straight, but could have set them straight. Whatever. I know. Dang it. What the hell? Rascals. <laughs> we we just we just passed the part in the movie where she uh where she met the family. Yes. Um I'll go back to this because I just find it fascinating. Families are, are, are very fascinating to me and I'll, I'll give a quick story and then ask you this. So I remember when uh, I was married the first time I met my, my ex-wife's family and I thought I would be funny. I'm like, I'm going to make yeah. it. This is what I, this is what I do. I'm going to be good. And they're, she's like, listen, they're very religious, very strict. Uh, okay. You know, I'm like, all right, that's fine. I got a joke. She's like, you don't have jokes. I'm like, I've got a Bible joke. She goes, you hundred percent don't have a Bible joke. I'm like, I do. So I, yeah. I was sitting at the table, everyone's there. And I said, do you know who the most flexible man in the Bible was? And they're like, huh? We don't, that's not a thing. I go, yeah, it is. They're like, no, yeah. it's not. We've read the Bible. There's not, I go, there is. I go, it was, it was Jonas. He, he tied his ass to a tree and walked three miles. <laughs> thank you thank you for the little subtle laugh yes. I, thank you very much yep that's pretty funny all just got up from the table and just walked into the other room oh they did not like it at all oh no it was oh. and Dang. folks this is a this is a crowd pleaser right here. i got more bible jokes like you do not have more bible jokes <laughs> Oh my gosh. Didn't make uh, a very good first impression or third or fourth. Um, I wonder what is, you know, um, what's it like meeting your family? Not as it, not in a relationship way, but what's it like meeting your family? Cause you are so gracious and accommodating to people. Is that from your family or are they like the helicopter parents that watch out for you to say, you know, bring some people around, but they don't need to be hanging around. Oh, no. I mean, I think I must have got it, especially for my mom. My dad is super, okay. everyone is super accommodating. You know, we were always the family or I always had the parents where they say, yeah, bring your friends. If you want, if you want to come have a sleepover after the game or bring your, bring your friends, you guys have bonfire. And my mom would even, you know, be like, if you guys want to drink young, like not real young, but like 
16, 17. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're going to, if you're going to go do it, like we know you're going to go want to drink. So if you want to do it, let me know what you want. If you want your mics, hard lemonades, <laughs> I'll go get them. <laughs> Make sure it's okay with your friends, parents, and y'all come gather, sit by the fire or sit in the basement and watch rom-coms. And you are here somewhere safe where you yeah. can do that. And it's okay. And, uh, you know, some people might not agree with that, but for me, I always thought for one, it made it like alcohol wasn't something I was going to rebel. And like, when I got to college, I wasn't like a crazy person. Cause I was like, oh, I've already had that. Yeah. My parents already like, it wasn't, it wasn't this big forbidden thing. And so I'd already had it. And I always got to like experience it where I was safe, um, where it was like super, like, I, I'm so thankful that my parents were that way, but they were always welcoming to everyone come over. You know, if there was a friend that was not able to go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, come on over, you know, anyone is family. Um, so they were always so welcoming and friendly and fun. And so I think if people, when people come to visit my parents or meet them, we like jokes, we're funny, you know, we're not very serious people. My dad is probably more gruff or a helicopter than anyone else would be just because I'm his little girl he probably wants to make sure that you know people are here for the right reasons but he's a good old guy he he's not gonna you know greet you at the door with a gun or anything like that he's (laughs) probably just ask you some questions and you know kind of try to get to know you but they're they're really fun people and I'm lucky that I got so many you know great memories such fun parents and I'm glad that a little bit of it has passed on to me, but that's what I would hope to have later on in life. If I get to have kids is always be the party pad, you know, not, not in like a crazy college way, but like be the, the family that says, yeah, come on over. Let's do like a pizza making night, bring your friends. Like let's sit in the kitchen. I'll make some dough. We'll have a pizza party, watch some movies. And, you know, then you guys can go down in the basement and have a sleepover or whatever. Just like yeah. always be that place where people can gather. Cause that was my parents for me. I love it. That's uh, yeah, that I've, I'm trying to be that parent where no, you guys come over here, you know, uh, yeah. I've got every movie ever made on demand, ready to go. Like, let's just, let's watch it here. Let's hang out. I'll make four different kinds of popcorn. You know, Oh, you guys like yeah. cookies. Okay. I mean, the, a guest that I had had on uh, a couple of weeks ago, her, her name is Jenny. She's lost one leg in a horrible accident. Her husband died. She lost the leg. And she's the most positive human being. She says, you know, I wasn't always positive. I mean, she, her, her Halloween outfit is the lamp from a Christmas story. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, I love her already. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really cool attitude to have. And she goes, Oh, I love cookies. I'm like, first of all, I'm an old man. I hear the word cookie. My pants get tighter. Yeah. I don't have a metabolism. And she goes, no, you got to try these cookies fat and weird. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, next thing you know, a couple of days later, she sent some over. Well, I can't have this stuff around. I like yes. sweets. They're delicious. And so I was like, all right, let's bring some kids over. I've got these, you know, three quarter pound cookies hanging out. We're heating them up, cutting them up. All of a sudden the parents are like, you save that chocolate chip one for us, Jay. We'll, we'll try it with some wine. I'm like, okay, let's do that. But it yeah. is, it's that environment of, everyone come over here. Let's do the popcorn up. What kind of drinks do you guys want? All right. And they're nine. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, sparkling waters and all the, you know, Kool-Aid or whatever. It's all the fun stuff, All the fun stuff, the enjoyable stuff, but it, it creates that energy where 
you know, the kids are like, they, they're like, Oh, my, my parents are supporting and loving and want me to have friends. Yes, absolutely. And do the fun things and, you know, be able to, I think it like builds more of a friendship too. Cause you're not saying no to everything, you know, mm-hmm. or my parent and my mom would be like, Hey, what do you want to do? Luke and dad went hunting. What do you want to do? And I'd be like, you know, I'd say, Oh my gosh, well, can we like have dinner and watch a movie in the living room? And she'd be like, sure. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and that was pretty uncommon in our mm-hmm. in our family to do that or you know I got to sleep with her and you know just it kind of was like this fun thing where I'd be like oh my gosh wow this is fun and then you you build that relationship with your kids and your parents just because they say yes and they want to build the friendship as well as being a parent no absolutely now question you you you, you, you went to college what yeah what does a singer songwriter go to college for? I mean, did you go to music or were you doing something else? Was it marketing where you just, you had some other plans in life that you wanted to, or, or desires you wanted to fulfill? Um, such a great question. So I, uh, I went to school for agriculture business management and a minor in cattle production, which is not <laughs> anything to do with music at all. But uh, my parents were really set on having me go to college. And so I chose to go to Oregon State, which is, you know, the Beavers Ag School Mm -hmm. and coming from a ranch and growing up in 4-H and FFA and all that. I've always loved agriculture. And so I thought, you know, if music doesn't work or if I change my mind one day, um, for one, business is involved in everything. There's no thing in the world that doesn't have something to do with business. And so I'll get some kind of business degree. And then I thought agriculture, you know, not only am I passionate about it, but agriculture is like one of the 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 most basic um you know things in our economy we we have to eat we have to be able to create byproducts and all these things just so you know we can have what we like and agriculture is never going to go away so that's what I decided to go for and I, I haven't really used it you know I was offered a couple ag loan jobs as soon as I got out of college and I thought about it but I, I'd always wanted to do music and my agreement with my parents was as soon as I graduated college I, I was free to at, like at least go pursue music full-time or go to Nashville or you know do this as much as I wanted instead of it being um, more of a part-time thing because I still went to Nashville when I was in in college and I'd go songwrite a little bit here and there and I'd play gigs here and there I never just stopped but as soon as I was out I said okay I've I've done it so uh, then I made like this wild (laughs) life choice I guess really because I graduated and had these job offers and I said nope not gonna do it and uh, I ended up um, you know because my parents live in Canby which is an hour and a half southeast of Portland so we're Mm -hmm. over in the Willamette Valley and I'd always liked Central Oregon, kind of near Bend, uh, yeah. if folks know where that is. And I'd always loved that area. And so I just randomly uh, was talking to one of my classmates. And she's like, I'm going to move over there after college. And I'm taking a job in Bend. And so I said, okay, well, maybe I'll move too. Um, we found this little house that was 600 bucks a month. It's kind of a crap hole, but it was like it was 600 bucks a month. So split two ways, that was $300. And I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move there. I don't want to move in with my parents right after college. I'm going to try something else. So I moved to this little town called Prineville and uh, 
lived with this gal for three, four months. And then she ended up going back to the Willamette Valley to take a different job. And I just stayed. I had found a part-time job um, working at a Western boutique. And she was super cool. She's like, hey, whenever you're in town, I will work you every day that you want that you're in town. But when you need to travel or go play music, then you'll be off the schedule. No problem. You know, as long as you don't take that for granted, then we can keep this this little relationship. And so for a year or two, that's what I did. I would I would find places to play in Central Oregon slowly, like made this following. Um, and then I'd work at the boutique for, you know, like a week straight. And then I'd go to Nashville for two weeks, come back, work a week straight. Um, so really, like I tried to make my time worth it to her. It wasn't like I got home and said, oh, well, I only want to work two days this week. And I'd like just get home and get after it. But uh, it was it was really good. Like I, I felt like I gained a lot of independence just by being able to stay there and live in this little house by myself and uh, kind of make my way in music and be able to go to Nashville. And then, um, yeah, so that's, I kind of just got started after that, but it was such a weird way to start things off kind of. That's, that's, that's awesome though. I mean, uh, you know, you, you obviously, especially telling the story of your mom, right? Like, let's get this kid out. I got to go perform. You know, you, you got, you got the work ethic from your mom of, yeah, I just went out and, you know, played music and just drove 15 hours and did all this jazz. I'll be in the boutique tomorrow, 9am. Let's get this party started. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Right. Well, I've always just been like energizer bunny, you know, I always love to go, go, go and multitask and, try to get as much out of every day as I can. Cause you know, you're never going to get it back. So you just got to take everything that you can get and try to get as much done as you can. And I always love to work. I think the feeling that you have at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you like you worked hard on a Thanksgiving meal or whether you worked hard to get some projects done, clean your house, do some laundry. If you've accomplished quite a bit in a day and then you look back at the end of the day and you say, wow, I got that much done. Cool. And then I always sleep way better than if I just sat on the couch all day. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I like to get the checklists and I put hard stuff on and easy stuff on. And sometimes on that checklist is like, you know, crack open a cold beer. And it's, it's just, it's on there because I'm like, I'm going to accomplish this one. Like I'm going to finish the list today with this. Yeah. It feels good, you know, or go down to the pool with your friends. Uh, you know, I I get up every morning at five because I want to get some work done. So I have time to go to the gym. Cause I just yeah. want to, I, it's just, it's, it's a habit and it's fun. It's, it's good. You know, it's, it's good for the soul to, to mark those things off, to, to be different, to, to have that, to have those, uh, those moments of, of not just clarity, but those, those moments of accomplishment, you know, that, that create clarity. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a really satisfying feeling at the end of the day to be like, yep, yeah, got, got it done. And once in a while we have those days, well, probably more common than not where I don't get everything on my list done, mm-hmm. but then, you know, the next morning I take those things and I add them to my list and, you know, make my list for the next day. And it's, it's just a great way to feel structured and organized and ready to get some stuff done. Now for you, you know, you, you split time, you've got a lot of things going on in, in your life. Um, your guilty pleasure you said is, is pizza. Yes. But I ask Oregon, Texas, who has better pizza? Oh, 
You know, I don't know if I've had enough Texas pizza to judge that. Okay. Um, what's your, uh, what's your, what are your go-to toppings and, and what's your crust? Is it thin? Is it hand-tossed? Is it deep dish? Let's break down I Olivia like Harms' perfect pizza. Thin crust. Uh, okay. Very rarely do I do like the, I've done it and I do enjoy it, like a deep, um, thick crust. It's kind of greasy. You know, maybe if I've had a little bit too much wine or uh, something on a <laughs> weekend that's when you want the greasy like thick pizza and you're like yeah come to mommy's let's like let's get after this um <laughs> but most of the time if I'm going for pizza it's not your it's not your average like you know run-of-the-mill pepperoni I love um like gourmet pizza there's one place in Pendleton Oregon that has it's just this amazing uh it's like they have a great base of ricotta and I love ricotta cheese. I think it's highly underestimated. You know, I think it needs to make a comeback and not just be present in lasagna and like, you know, cannelloni. I think it needs to, to be more present than okay. just in pasta. Um, so it has ricotta and then it has a pistachio pesto Ooh. and then this like spicy sausage and some jalapenos and you know some like good cheese and it's on a nice thin crust so it's got a little bite but it's creamy and oh my gosh and the nutty flavor underneath is so good so I love that I'm also a sucker for like a good um you know chicken bacon pine nut basil tomato so anything that's kind of creative I had a good apple pizza one time which sounds crazy but it was so good so I like your your more unique pizzas that'll get me excited interesting all right yeah there's a there's a place down here in austin called uh pint house okay. and they do some of those esoteric style pizzas and one of the things that they they have that i love is they put um mike's hot honey drizzled oh. on top so you've got the you you've got the saltiness of the meats you know you've got the richness of the cheese depending on the sauce that you have, they do it with a red sauce. You got the, you know, the spicy red sauce, thin crust, and they do this drizzle that is sweet, but also brings heat. And it's, oh, it's, my, it. new, it's my new addiction. Like I'll do two meat pizza, like, you know, sausage and spicy sausage and Canadian bacon. And then I'll put on some jalapeno and I'll, you know, sometimes I'll leave, I'll do like a feta cheese and some ricotta mixed in there. Right. Yeah. Two different textures of cheese going on. And then that thing comes out of the oven and shh, there's that drizzle of hot honey. Oh, so I good. love it. I'm so like, good. I been out having pizza tonight. I'm telling you, I said it earlier. It's hot honey. It's coming out. It's coming out. The hot <laughs> honey's coming out. It's it's all coming good. It's I love a good sweet there. heat. Yes. Oh yeah. That's I love the best. it. The sweet heat. Oh, now, now man, for wine, yeah. you've brought up wine a couple of times. So I got to ask red or white. Uh, I like both, but okay. I am a sucker for red. I do love okay. red. That's probably what I'm, I'm going to go to the HEB later, uh, you know, decided I'm probably going to do like a, a, maybe like a nut almond. There's like this almond ground almond, it's like Planko, but you know, no gluten. So mm -hmm. we're all set. And then I'll do that in like a pork cutlet and get those all done up. And then like a nice acorn squash. So I can re just really revel in my, my Halloween fall feeling, get some red wine you know maybe like some good rice medley and that's what I'm really looking forward to this evening but I do love nice. I do love my wine red wine uh white wine I like a soft blanc in the summertime I'm not really into sweet wine 
mm-hmm. um, more like a drier sort of, or like a buttery Chardonnay, but, but I do love wine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm with you. I'm a big fan. I took a, any excuse where I can mix in a little bit of culture, wine and fun, you know, uh, with my friends and their kids, we did, there's a place out here outside of Austin called the Rhinery. Okay. And it's a rhinoceros preserve. So they got a rhino there that they rescued. And it's also a winery. Oh my gosh. I love it. And so we went out there. We meet the owner. This guy's his name's Craig. We go out there. We walk in. The place is busy. And I roll up. And I think at the time, I think, I don't know, like once every six months, I just wear a goofy mustache. I look like a really horrible Magnum PI. And, I love it. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're hanging out and we see him and we're, we're chatting it up and, you know, he's like, Oh, did you guys make reservations? I'm like, dude, I had no idea, no reservations. I just saw this on the internet or saw it on Instagram, grab the guys and go, we've got to do this. And so yeah. my friend, Allison, we had my buddy, Mark, and we had our kids and he looks at his phone and he goes, well, they're five minutes late. Hold on a second. And he goes, please prepare this table for Mr. Jepson and his guests. And then brings us a free round of rosé i love like, it thank you so much colors you know he's like kids get snacks and juices for free don't worry about it that's what we do i'm like oh man that's so kind of you thank you so we're hanging out we order a bottle of red and he was going to open it and i said ah you know the kids are getting a little bored you know no offense but we're probably going to bounce soon but i definitely want to take this bottle home he goes no you'll take another bottle home hold on calls the gal over who takes care of the rhino like the head person who makes sure the rhino is healthy and safe. Yeah. Because these kids want to learn more about the rhino. She gives them a private tour and walks them out. Oh my gosh. Dials them in. They come back. They know more about rhinos. I mean, it, it's like they got the Encyclopedia Britannica from back in the day and they read the rhino chapter. Yes. They come back. Now they're coloring more. Now they're like, oh, we got to stay a little bit longer. Dad, you've got to meet this lady. I'm like, I'm sure she's busy. Like it's a rhino. <laughs> yeah she's like no no you gotta meet her i was like all right cool so then she comes over introduces herself i'm like hey man thank you so much you know can i give you a tip or anything like what can i do she goes no it's my pleasure like it's fun to do this and hang out with these kids and yeah. then he just looks at me and smiles and he's like there you go i was like yeah i'll take another couple more bottles to go then please <laughs> yes oh my gosh now i want to go i want to go see the the rhinery i'm like sold on it Come out here next time you're out. Let me know. We'll bring you out to the rhinery, man. We'll grab a crew and we'll, we'll, we'll take you out in style to a, a very cool place. Cause it's, yes. Only it's if my awesome. buddy Harper comes, of course, Harper will come. Come on now. She, she wouldn't have any, if, if I, if you were in town and I had the opportunity to come over and say, hello, grab a cup of coffee with you, whatever. If Harper found out and she wasn't there, uh, it would be a bad day for me. A a bad, bad day, day for dad me. bad day yeah. for dad, man she would not find that funny at all <laughs> not in any way shape or form uh, um i love it we're, we're coming we're wrapping up to the end of the movie uh two i two final questions for you one i and i don't and i might be and you can just be like jay you're reaching here on this but i wonder the dramatic ideas of rom-coms of there's got to be this romance there's got to be this you know chaos and breakup only to really show what true love is 
do you think in some capacity that harms relationships or are we all smart enough not to do what, you know, Matthew McConaughey and, and his, and his girl are doing right now? I think it's a double-edged sword. You know, like Mm -hmm. I was, a I was guilty when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, whatever. I was guilty of being like, oh my gosh, like it has to have this dramatic, like chase after me, you know, and Mm -hmm. like, he's gonna, he's gonna come after me. He's gonna realize he can't live with it. I mean, like, we need to know that that is, that's not how love works. Like you don't give up just when one little thing goes wrong. And I, so I think that's a really important thing about romantic comedies that we don't see because they always have the same thing. Like it's a great buildup. They fall, start to fall in love. Something happens. They call it. And then they say, Oh wait, we were meant to be together. And so like, I do love that they always save the day with some gallant effort at the end. But I do think we need to focus on the fact that, you know, like if it's true love, y'all don't give up real easy. You sit there and you fight it out and you make it work because it's worth it. But I do love the fact that in romantic comedies, girls can still like have uh, gallant efforts and chivalry and like this, this idea that a man like wants you so much that he'll come after you. And I think that's sweet. Like, I, I don't think that we should play around with, with that and, and test our guys to see if they'll chase after us. But if something really does happen, you know, I think it's it's nice to have that idea that um, someone really would, if they were in the wrong, say, okay, no, I'm not going to give up and I'll chase you down and make it happen because I want you in my world. So I think it's a little bit of both. I just think we need to take it with a grain of salt and realize that we're not living in a romantic comedy. Uh, you know, the whole basis of this movie, it's not probably that good of an idea to start <laughs> a relationship by trying to like, deter him the whole time you know but it worked out pretty good for Andy Anderson so (laughs) I guess that's that's good but um I I think we're all guilty of loving the idea or just like you know watching guilty pleasures romantic comedies I guess so I'm always going to be suckered in Hallmark Channel these kind of movies I love it I love it no I'm with you I have have a soft spot for romantic comedies Uh, I don't know why uh I'm an old man I shouldn't no, I shouldn't say I shouldn't. I, I do though. I, I have a soft spot for him. Last question. If, and, and thank you for all the time you've spent and, you know, as yes. on, on your day of relaxing, uh, I think it does your music and your talent a disservice to say duet. So instead, if you could play music for one person, who would that be? Play music for one person. That's also one person an artist. It can be, it can be anybody, but you know, instead of like, because I don't, I don't want to assign, you know, it's, I have this weird thing where it's, um, I think it's a backhanded compliment to go, Hey, if you could do a duet with someone, cause then it's like, Oh, who's carrying you or who are you carrying? Right. Right. No duets don't necessarily work that way, but in my mind it does. Uh, and so for me, it's like, instead it's like, yeah, but if you're in a room and you get one person and you've got, you know, your list of songs, I don't care if they're your own or their tributes or, or, or whatever they are, but you got that one person, you're like, I would love to play for this person, have them hear my music, my way and get their honest reaction. Okay. Well, I have, I have one immediate one. Okay. Um, and then I have like, you know, like your more thoughtful one, give, give um, but me. my, 
my immediate one would be um, my grandpa. He's since passed away, but like he was just my best buddy when I was growing up. My grandparents lived on the end of the lane of our ranch. And so, um, you know, I have a lot of inspiration from him and he was always, you know, like asking me what new songs I had written whenever I'd go out there and I was young making up music. And so if I could have him, you know, and like, be like, look at me now, grandpa, like, this is, this is what I'm playing now. You inspired this song pop. That's, that's what I would love to do. That would probably be the very top. Um, but uh, since that's not possible for a couple more years until maybe I hopefully make it to heaven, uh, <laughs> I would, I would hope that maybe I would, like, if I could choose one person, I would say, boy, it would be nice to sit there with someone who was maybe, ready or uh, had um had the chance to like help me with my career not in a not in a like selfish way but like maybe a record label exec that was really interested in what I was doing like believed in my music my sound and say how can we help you get to where you want to be that would probably be my second one like here here's my songs hope you like them listen maybe we can like go on a bigger tour yet that'd be cool (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. I, I love the piece with grandpa too, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, he's listening, right? Yes, he is. For he sure. is. Yes. Absolutely is. Uh, I say this to everybody and I, and I mean it, um, you know, we, uh, it's the world's an amazing place and time's an amazing thing. You know, we can go to the store. You're going to go to HEB. You're going to buy some stuff. You might buy something and not get to it right away and it can rot. And the cool thing is thanks to farmers and ranchers, we can go back to that store and we can go get it again. Right. And we right. can use it. Uh, time's the one thing we don't get back. You know, it's the one thing that we give and there's nothing we can do to ever get it back. And so for you to spend time at 12 Fox talking, talking to me, uh, to spend so much time, uh, you know, talking to my daughter and making her feel so special. And then to do this, it really does mean the world to me because you don't know me from Adam and you're spending two hours talking over a movie. I'm asking you personal questions about life and dating and parents and, you know, music and things that you hold true. Uh, So, so to do that means a great deal. So, so thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. It's really totally been my pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me because it means a lot right back at you. Well, Hey, you got a friend down here in Austin and uh, you know, uh, I always tell my daughter, I go, I, I would never want you to have the childhood I had. However, me moving so much, I know someone everywhere. So ever find yourself in a pickle, shoot a little email, let me know. I probably know someone that can help you out. Uh, I love it. I hope to see you down here in Austin again. Uh, I'll shoot you a message after this, but um, thank you very much. And folks, now it's your time. I haven't been sued yet. Fingers crossed she won't. (laughs) Here it is, the time when Harper sings about she took a poop by herself. Enjoy, and thank you all so very, <laughs> very much. Olivia, thank you. Cheers. Oh, my gosh. Loved it.